Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. All right, everybody. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes. And uh, again, I am Scott McIntosh, your co-host and my, or excuse me, one of the hosts. And my co-host <laughs> is my wife, Becky. Hi, everyone. We are really excited to be with you today and to introduce you to our special guest. All right. Our guest is Martin Hurlbert, and he is uh, a financial guy. So let's ask you a few questions. Have you ever experienced financial stress? If you have, you're in the right place. So today we're going to talk about those types of things. So today's guest is an expert in developing better financial habits. He's written several books, including Yes, Money Can Make You Happy, and is working on a new one called Financial Misbehavior. He's also a co-founder of the TM Wealth Management, a firm that has been named the top financial planning practice for doctors three of the past four years. When he's not speaking, writing, or thinking about money, he spends time with his wife and his three children. He also plays guitar in a rock and roll cover band. A word of warning, he thinks he's funny, but he's not. Thank you very much, Scott. I resemble that remark. There you go. Welcome, Martin Hurlbert. Thank you for having me. So thank you. I appreciate you being here. And uh, let's, let's talk. Let's just jump into it and then start off with the most important thing that everybody's wanting to know is uh, why do you think you're so funny? <laughs> because I'm the only one who will. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else does. There you go. There you go. What got you into financial planning? Okay, I grew up in the Air Force, was born in Scotland. Uh, to a Scottish mom and an Air Force dad, lived around the world, had a wonderful, wonderful experience growing up, except for one area. My parents always struggled financially. Every promotion my dad got, every pay increase was just spent. And so because money was always an issue in my household growing up, I didn't want to be that way myself. So I started to investigate and learn to avoid those same mistakes, and it became my career, even my, my life's mission. All right. Oh, we're out of things to say. <laughs> well, <laughs> tune in next time. <laughs> Life in two minutes. Okay, I have a question about your book that you're writing. Mm -hmm. Okay, what is financial misbehavior and what got you interested? 25 years ago, I started my career as a financial advisor. I'm here in Utah. My parents are in, in uh, California. My mom sent me a newspaper article. And by the way, for the young people, this is when you sent the actual article. Not a link to it, so right. the piece of paper. <laughs> and this article said that about 82% of all professional athletes end up declaring bankruptcy within five years of leaving the sport. Wow. That just blew my mind. Now, I'm a brand-new advisor, and these guys make millions, sometimes tens or hundreds of millions of dollars, end up declaring bankruptcy, the vast majority. And let's define what is bankruptcy. Does it mean you have nothing? You know, bankruptcy means you're trying to get back to nothing, right? right. Nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. See, there's my humor. I yeah, just got laugh. Go. <laughs> nothing would be an improvement when you have bankruptcy. And so I thought, how in the world can that happen? And that introduced me to the world of behavioral economics. Now, when I went to school, I studied traditional economic theory. Traditional economics is based upon a fallacy. It's, it's based upon the mythical creature I called Homo economicus. Now, Homo economicus <laughs> exists in all of us and drives us to always make the best possible choice with our money when it comes to our careers the way we spend it the way we invest it everything is is done perfectly according to real or traditional economic theory 
So if, if we never make a mistake financially speaking, it's great. Is that very realistic? Probably not. Have you ever made a mistake with your money? Well, I should ask probably Becky. Uh, That's Scott's, yes. right? Be- Becky has made a lot of mistakes with my money. Is that what you're asking? <laughs> yeah. Well, we all do, right? We all do. I'm just and kidding. So, it's our money. I'm just joking. I love this definition of, of behavioral economics, okay? It comes from this report. It's on the website. It's a great one. But it says this. It focuses not on economic theory, but instead on how people actually behave in real-world financial situations. It assumes that investors are not always logical, myself included, and can easily make irrational decisions when there are no systems in place to remind them of the priorities they've set for themselves and the plan they've established. So I write every book I can get, get my hands on, on behavioral economics, behavioral finances, psychology of money. I've been around for 25 years. I've written a few books, and I can summarize the most important lesson I've learned in just seven key words. Can I share them with you? Yeah, yes. Let's hear them. Here's my, my life's County. mission in 25, 25 <laughs> years. My life's mission is seven words. Emotions can be hazardous to your wealth. That's it right there. We could stop this mm-hmm. recording. It'd be a great recording. Emotions are hazardous to your wealth. Emotions, yeah, can be hazardous to your wealth. Because emotions are what drive all of our financial decisions. How we think that's going to make us feel. Whether it's the kind of car we drive or, or how we invest the money or anything else, it's all driven by how it's going to make us feel. Not by, by rational choices according to traditional economic theory. Right. So emotions take over and they lead to poor choices. That's right. Exactly. Poor choices. And it's getting worse. Can I tell you why it's getting worse? Yeah. Our brains, once again, it's got excluded. But for most people, <laughs> our brains are not designed to handle the information overload we are being bombarded with. We are being asked to make more decisions every day than ever before. I know I heard something that said we now take in about five times more information every single day than we did just five years ago. And how do we get the information, wow. right? Online, our cell Online, phones, yeah. the billboards. We have 300 channels of nothing to watch on TV, right? Then we got on top of that Netflix and Amazon Prime. And we have all this stuff being thrown at us, and our brains get tired. Is your guy, if your brains, has it ever been tired before, your brain? Have you ever felt that? I just can't think anymore. Mine's been tired for a long time. For, for a long time. <laughs> I can see it in your eyes, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> and so when the brain gets tired, the logical side sits, shuts down, and then emotions take over. And that's why sometimes you... You look back on a decision you made six months ago, and you ask yourself, what was I thinking? You literally were not thinking. You were reacting emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so when the, the brain gets tired, like it often does now, emotions take over, at least to poor choices, that creates stress in our lives, financial stress. That can impact your relationships, impact your spirituality, your health. Really, money impacts everything. In fact, one of my little books I have is called If Money Could Talk. It's a collection of quotations in there. And it says it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor as long as you've got money. Right. <laughs> okay, made him laugh again. Almost. Yeah. Almost, almost down there. No, I, almost I, down I, there. I, and I'd heard right. you say that before. I would have really done it. Yeah, really yeah that's true. You've heard a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Just got, we, go, we go way back. But that's the thing is, yeah, that money and how we manage it impacts every part of our life. And I, I will call someone a financial success if they align their money with their values rather than by the size of their portfolio. Mm-hmm. So you could have hundreds of millions of dollars and be a complete financial failure. And you might be a simple school teacher, you know, making $45,000 a year and be a financial superstar if your money is in alignment with your values because that's where you get peace. Right. Right? And where we <clears throat> begin to get even more stressed is when we, are, we, we separate our values from our resources, then you get, you know, things just go wrong. You're not sure why. You don't feel quite right and you can't figure it out. So maybe the answer is to work harder or buy a bigger house or a bigger boat or, you know, whatever it is. And it just, it's this bad cycle, this downward cycle. Wow. So you're saying that uh, it's, it's dependent on their logical thinking, although 
thinking irrational because of just off of emotion is going to be a downspin. But if they can think rational, it doesn't matter how much money they make, they can still create a successful life within the means that they have. Yeah, I think so. That's right. So we have to recognize the emotions are always there and they're, and they're not going to go away. So just recognize it. And we just try and reduce the impact of the emotions and get back on track. And there's, there's probably two primary things they can do to help them do that more effectively. Let's hear those. Okay. First one, when I teach this course is define your purpose. Now, a lot of times we talk about it. Maybe we, we think about it in church and we all, we have this kind of big vision, but it's rare that we actually sit down and write it out. That these, these are my priorities. These are my values. This is what matters most to me. So on the ifmoneycouldtalk.com website on the resource tab, there's a, a thing called self-assessment. It's a two-page document. And if you're married, both spouses should do it separately. And there's questions I put in there that are designed to help you define your purpose. And then see the relationship between your purpose and your financial choices. And when you start to see that connection a little more clearly, that's what helps reduce the impact of the emotions. So this is found on your website. Mm-hmm. Can you repeat that? If money could talk dot com. Okay. So most of the people that I um, know that deal in the finances and, and are financial experts and, and helpers, you know, help other people in that field. I don't see them driving Mercedes. What's up with that? Well, if they practice what they preach, all my cars are paid for. Right. Yeah. In fact, I often tell people, Scott, when they come into my office, which is a very it's a nice office, but it's not, you know, opulent by any means. And I let them know right up front, if you want an advisor who has a brand new Lexus every single year and marble columns and golf club memberships, I'm not your guy. Right. And they usually always laugh and say, no, Martin, I want to talk to you. So there are those advisors that, that do, you know, show off, I guess. They try to show a certain lifestyle, but I'm certainly not one of those. Right, because you actually practice what you preach. Yeah. You realize that, I mean, I've, I've heard, uh, what's that guy's name? Dave, what's his Dave name? Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. I've mm-hmm. heard some of his stuff, and, and he always talks, never buy a brand new car. You That's know? right. And, I, and I agree. Buy a used car and, and pay him off quick. Yep. A and new so. car is not a symbol of how much money you have, but how much you used to have. Right. There you go. <laughs> that one made me <laughs> laugh. All right. Good, good job. Good job. You're getting better. I got I got plenty more of those. <laughs> so you, you define your purpose first. And I've had many couples tell me when they do the self-assessment and you write out the answers again separately, then you can share the papers. They say, Martin, that was a great exercise because now I understand more why my wife is the way she is or my husband is the way he is. Right. In fact, one more thing we can do to even clarify that and make it even more effective is to get your money DNA or your money personality. Here's the example I use, okay? If you're driving down the freeway at 75 miles an hour and you're very comfortable at that speed, someone goes whizzing by at 95 miles an hour, what do you think of that person? You think they're crazy. You think they're crazy. They should lose their license, get them off the streets, right? (laughs) And while you're having that thought, Scott, you come behind someone going 10 miles an hour slower than you and you can't get around them. What do you think of that person? Oh, man, this guy's driving me crazy. Right? Yeah, Yeah. they're dangerous on the street. Get them off the streets, right? So anyone who goes faster or slower than you on the freeway, it makes no sense. It just drives you crazy. Finally, somebody that gets me. Yes. And, and it's, it's very similar to the way we manage our money. If somebody takes more or, risk, or sorry, more or less risk than you, it makes no sense. Or if they want to spend differently than you, it makes no sense. And it drives you crazy. And between you guys here and, 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 and our, and and our and corporate listeners. Thousands of listeners. Yes, yes. Thousands of listeners. There's a pretty good chance you're married to that person. Wow. And so money the one that, that drives me crazy? The one that drives you crazy. That's right. Because they spend she, differently. She does drive 10 miles an hour slower than me. There you go. See, I think, I think, I think, we, we, I think we've solved a major problem you here today, haven't it. we? 
So they say that money is the leading cause of divorce, and it's not true. It's a lack of communication and a lack of respect for the differences. And so if, if one spouse is a spender, the other is a saver, they can be a fantastic couple if they understand it. Because the saver will make sure they save money, right? And they're not going to you know, end up in the poorhouse. The, the spender is going to have more fun. Let's enjoy life. And, and both is needed in a healthy marriage. Right. Both aspects. And so on the website, if moneycouldtalk.com, again, go to the resource page. It says money personality. You click there, answer 20 questions, and you get a free report saying this is your personality. Saver, spender, I call adventurer or risk taker, a steward, which means you want everything in order. And then we have the avoider. The avoider goes like this, la, 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 la. I don't <laughs> want to talk about money. I don't, no, 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 I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so we're all usually one of those five personalities. My phone every, uh, I think it's Monday night at 8 o'clock, has a calendar thing that pops up that says money meeting. So my wife and I can have a money meeting every That's Monday night. That's a great idea. And, and it goes off every Monday night, and I just hit... Click that thing and it's gone away and we don't have our money. Oh, well, that's okay. I didn't that's want to hear that second part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but we, when you learn a better way, commit to do better. Yes, yes. Well, so. maybe if you both had your money personalities established. But at least I it, thought it, about it. Might it. Be, oh, absolutely. If I had that plugged in my phone, then I would make sure that it happened. Well, plug it in. <laughs> so, but it's there, but life gets busy. And it's like, oh, yeah, we were mm-hmm. going to do that and we don't talk about it. And so you're right. Communication is everything. But you're right. I also in the fact that the la 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 la. You know, I mean, it's like I don't want to hear that we're out of money. Boy. You know, you probably have a lot of listeners too that that may be in that situation that they're afraid and maybe they have too much debt. I have found in working with people who have let's just call it too much debt, credit mm-hmm. card debt, whatever however you define that. When they come see me and we list it all out, the balances, the interest rates, and the payments, and I put in a little formula, a spreadsheet, and they now see that they'll be out of debt. Let's call it four years from now. Just the fact that you do that gives you a sense of power. Right. And it reduces the stress. Then they have a happier marriage. And it's just like this kind of like cycle of, okay, now it's this upward cycling thing of, of success. <laughs> now I know. But if you just ignore it, then that creates more stress and just life is not as good. So, yeah, you, you got, but that's the next step here is create a plan. So mm-hmm. we define your purpose, right? Here's what matters most to me. Here are my values, the things I want to accomplish in my life with my family. Now you create a plan. It says, okay, I want to retire by a certain age. I want to pay off my debt by a certain time period. And you look at exactly where you are right now. It may be ugly. It may be beautiful. I don't know. But see where you're at right now and then compare it to the future. Yeah, my, my concern would be that I'd go to the financial guy and sit down with him. Mm-hmm. And he'd say, are you serious? Look how much time you le- have left in your life. Mm-hmm. Look how much you make. You are never, ever going to get out of debt. Right. You know, I mean, you, you have to come across people like that. Uh, I do. I, I do quite often, yes. When I approach that with people, I like it with a sense of humor, but I'll be also very direct with people and say, yeah, you're, you want to retire at 65? It ain't going to happen. Right. You, you might be lucky for age 70, maybe 75. And well, but that plan still lets them know that. And when they know that, it still, still is a free. sense of relief. Okay, you know what? I've now dealt with this. It's been in the back of my mind for the past 15 years. I know I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. It's just wonderful to, to know. So you create that plan. And the plan should support your values, And there's right? other options. I mean, there's oh, yeah. some self, some things off or, or you know, do, what, do something different to create a different lifestyle. That would, yeah, maybe spend a little less money right now. Or yeah. I often will say to them, work part-time in retirement. So at age 65, yeah, you go to half-time. Right. Or you find a hobby you can turn into an income stream. Right. Or maybe build some, you know, get a hit record. 
There you get, go. Get, get some residual income coming that, in. That's what you did. That's what I did. That's what my son's <laughs> trying to do right now in Nashville. Yes, that's yes. awesome. That's awesome. That's way you know, cool. And there, there's some. I found a study by HBSC Bank about the power of planning, and just really loved it. And for you listeners, this chart is in full color. <laughs> <laughs> they can see that. We should put a picture on our uh, website. Yes. So those who have a plan, like I just described, and refer back to it on a regular basis, here's what they found compared to those who don't have a plan. They have a more sense of freedom as they look towards retirement, a sense of happiness, opportunity, hope, and wealth. In all those categories, they, they far exceed those without a plan. That's pretty cool. Now, those who do not have a plan also win in some key categories. They're lonelier, have more fear, poor health, and financial hardship. Those so are those those four categories they, they lead they lead yeah that's absolutely pretty impressive. yeah right so it's nice if you want to have yes financial hardships and fear and poor health and loneliness you know don't have a plan <laughs> if you want to avoid those things if you want to have a sense of happiness opportunity freedom and hope then you have a plan refer back to it often right remember the definition from uh, behavioral finance it people make irrational decisions when there is no system in place to remind them of the priorities they set for themselves and the plans they've established. So put that plan to place. Now, here's the really good news. Apart from all the touchy-feely stuff about feeling better and having more hope, those who have a plan and refer back to it on a regular basis end up with 552% more money in retirement. Really? Their net worth is five times higher. Than those that don't have a plan. Than those who don't have a plan. And they have more fun along the way. You know, I think oftentimes those who have a plan or so I don't have a plan, they think, I don't want a plan because it's going to restrict me. I'm just going to enjoy life and, and just, you know, play it by ear. No, you'll, you'll actually have more fun and you'll enjoy life more when you have a plan. And you'll have more money in the end to give away, to spend, whatever you want to do with it. Good advice. And so creating the plan, what, what, when you say a plan, what, what kind of plan is that? Okay. In its simplest form, your plan should at least project your future needs and what they're going to cost after inflation is factored in. That, that's a pretty basic plan. I use a program called Money Guide Pro. It's a little more complex. And it's just, honestly, it's, it's like this financial plan on steroids. So, for example, we set up a plan for you. You decide you want to retire at age 65 on who knows how much money a month. And we put it in place, and you're saving the money. You're on track for that goal. And then you have a horrible day at work. I, I, that's it. I'm done. I am done. Well, this software, it's online. It allows you to go in there and say, okay, what if I retire right now? So it's a, it's a dynamic plan. It's, it's always changing. It's always adjusting. And you could plug in the numbers right there. What if I move, go from age 65 to age 55 to retire? And it will show you that in that case, you're probably not going to make it. You know, you have like a, like a 40% chance of making it. So there's a little mm-hmm. reality check right there. Yeah. Or, or maybe that I want to buy a second house. What if I buy the second house? You put the numbers in the plan, and instantly you know you're either on track or off track. Or if you get an inheritance or, you know, some legal settlement, a lump sum of money. What do I do with that? Do I spend it or put it into the plan? And in that case, you might put it in the plan and see you can retire two years earlier with that lump sum. Mm-hmm. So you have the basic plan to begin with, but like this definition says, always refer back to and adjust the plan on a regular basis. But here's one I think the key things you do. Again, very simple plan, and this will really help you make better choices with your money, is every three months, calculate your net worth. Add up what you have, add up what you owe, look at that number, and that number should be going up every three months. Now, there could be a setback temporarily. That happens to all of us, right? Whether it's the stock market or lose a job or medical bills, whatever. But if you're watching your net worth every three months, you will begin to make better choices. I promise you. So your net worth, you're, you're just adding up everything. You look around your house and say, okay, this is what I've got. 
Mm-hmm. But your freezer just went out on you, mm-hmm. and you thought that that freezer was a $500 plus, and now you've got a $1,000 deficit that mm-hmm. you've got to buy a new one. Right. So you just keep adding those things together, and just each month you're going to have your highs and lows. and then that, That's right. And, of course, that will be reflected you know, three months from now when you do it again. So how long should a person pay off a car, or should they ever get a debt for a car? Okay, here's the real risk in getting or financing a car. You could, let's say you get 2% interest rate, like a really good low interest rate on your loan. When you finance a car or really anything else, you tend to overspend because it doesn't feel like real money. So in other words, i use this example. Okay, not a car, but say furniture. I go to our local furniture store right here, and I find this living room set, leather seats and beautiful tables. My wife loves it. It's a $6,000 living room set. And they said to me, Martin, we'll give you 12 months, same as cash. I mean, zero interest, right? right? right. So what am I going to do? I can afford 500 bucks a month, make my wife happy. That's all. Done. We'll get that. But if I had to pull out $6,000 from my wallet or my checking account and hand over my hard-earned cash when it's in my hand, I'm probably going to say to my wife, I love you. But that set over there for $3,000 looks pretty nice too. Right. So that's the real risk in financing cars is you tend to just spend more money than if you didn't. In fact, McDonald's did a study. When they first started doing credit cards and debit cards and accepting those, it was a trial basis. They decided to do credit cards and debit cards nationwide after they found out that people with plastic spent 56% more money than yeah. those who paid cash. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, whether it's your, your Big Mac or the furniture or the car, we tend to spend more money through loans. That's the real risk. According to Dave Ramsey, over 80% of people do not pay off whatever they buy. Mm. When the interest-free period is over, over 80% do not pay it off. And there's two kinds of people, the people who pay interest and those that earn it. That's right. Yep. Dems who pay and Dems who earn. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do a quick recap. Financial stress is caused by information overload. Your brain gets tired. It shuts down temporarily. Emotions take over, lead to poor choices. And that stresses your whole entire life. That's the problem we face. The solution is define your purpose. What matters most to you? Get the self-assessment on ifmoneycouldtalk.com, and also do the money personality or money DNA. Thank you, Martin. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody go out and be successful financially. You've got the, the know-how now. So thank you, Martin. Appreciate it. Okay. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us, and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage humor, and a whole lot of love.